Hey, welcome. I'm Jason. I'm here with my good friend Megan and a colleague and co-laborer and cons cons I want to say conspirator, but we don't really conspire anything. We just do things together for you to conspire. And I say, no, no, <laughs> that's actually not very far from the truth, is it? Um, well, hey, we're, we're actually I can't believe we're almost done with the 40 days of purpose. We've got like two more Sundays left after mm -hmm. this. Uh, last week, last, last Sunday, we actually talked about that you were created to become like Jesus. And I, I think about that, and I was, I was processing through how overwhelming that is. And I talked about it on Sunday, is that this whole idea that we were created to become like Jesus, that can be a daunting task, because Jesus was pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and you said something that stuck out, that we were created to become like Jesus, not become Jesus. Yeah. Which actually, there's way more freedom in there to, there's the space to get it wrong sometimes. And, but it's that continual pursuit of trying to be like him. Yeah. Yes, we're going to mess up, but... Well, it changes things. I, so uh, in this 40 days, and, and I'd love to hear what so far, what is the thing that's really stood out to you the most in this 40 days? The, I'll be honest, this last week, really, God, God some, kind of revealed some things for me in my own life that mm -hmm. I was like, oh, I really needed to hear that. Has there been anything in this last 40 mm -hmm. days or in the last three, four weeks that we've been going that's really stood out for you? Um, maybe first week or maybe just overall as a whole, just understanding the difference between purpose and calling yeah. and leaning into those hard and reevaluating every aspect of life. Is this something that God is asking me to do? Is this something I'm just doing to do? Yeah. Or how does it fit biblically? Am I living out what I truly feel I am being asked to do? That difference between purpose and calling is interesting because even in the purpose to be like Jesus, um, it's both a calling. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the purpose is that we were created. You know, one of the things that hit me, um, and I shared the story about on the beach and where I felt like the Lord spoke to me in a mm -hmm. very audible voice, which was cool as I had somebody in church who said, I know that exact, I know exactly what you're talking about, where they had a very similar encounter mm -hmm. where the Lord spoke in an audible way. And I've talked to a few people who've actually talked about that. And then I was listening to a podcast this week where um, the guy shared about when the Lord audibly spoke to him on something. And then he referenced almost a bunch of stuff that we talked about on Sunday. And I was like, man, I love how God works that way. Uh, here was one of the things that really stood out to me this week. And, and I'd love to talk about what does it look like to become like Jesus for you? Mm -hmm. um, but there's an... This is what stood out to me. There's an intentionality to it. It doesn't happen by accident. Um, there is something that you have to make space for it. But even that whole idea, and, and I said it on Sunday, was um, becoming like Jesus is something that's done to you, for you, and with you, but it's not done by you. Mm -hmm. And it's easy to say that, but so much of me wants to strive to do that on my own. Mm -hmm. And this idea of surrender was something that the Lord, I really felt like the Lord kind of spoke in my own life this week, is in the moments where I can look back and say, I really felt like I was imaging Jesus well, mm -hmm. were moments where I wasn't trying to image Jesus well. Yeah. They just kind of, it, 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 it was like an overflow of what had already been taking place. And, and I'll just be honest, that's, I, that's tough for me because creating that space beforehand so that when that opportunity arises that I'm there, that's where I struggle with. It's not in trying to yeah. act like Jesus in the moment. It's creating the space beforehand so that when that moment arrives, I can actually be patient. Yep. 100% agree. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
and I was I was thinking about this text. This is in Second Peter, and then I'd love to hear kind of what does it look like for you in becoming like Jesus, and how's that process and journey been for you? So this is written from the Apostle Peter, and uh, this is what he says. This is Second uh, Peter verse one or chapter one. Um, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Like that's a lot to unpack. Mm -hmm. But here's, here's what hit me. And then he goes on. And he he uses the word make every effort. And one of the dangers that I've seen in my own life, and I see this so often in Christians, is they'll take a verse, but they're not reading it in its entirety. They don't read the part beforehand. Because he then goes on and says this, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection and to mutual affection love. And you look at that and you go, well, he said, you need to make the effort to add those things. But if you don't read the first part, when he says this, his divine power has given us everything. That's what hit me. I I was thinking about this this morning. The only reason why I can even put in the effort is because he is, his divine power is giving me the strength. That's the Holy Spirit working Mm -hmm. in me. And when all of a sudden I realized that my responsibility, the thing that I have to fight for is I have to fight to be in his presence. Mm -hmm. I have to fight to surrender to him. I have to fight, and it really is, it is a fight to say, I want the Holy Spirit more than I want something else in my life. And then when that happens, then the effort comes, but it's not an effort I'm making alone, I'm doing it in community. So that that really struck me. Mm -hmm. When you think about this process of becoming like Jesus for you, and and I know personality-wise, we've had many great conversations about different personality and Enneagram and all that fun stuff. What does that look like for you? Because you and I are very different personalities. Yep. There are things that are very natural for you that are not natural for me, and there are things that are natural for me that aren't for you. Like being on this podcast. This is a fun, fun story. Megan actually hates doing that. It's hey might be too strong of a word. Is that a strong word or is that an Yeah, accurate? that's strong. There are so many other things that I would rather be doing. <laughs> I asked her to do it. She's like, I guess if you need me to. <laughs> He's like, see you over there. I'm like, so you need me? <laughs> <laughs> Where I thrive in this. I love I this. And, and I, just as a side note, I love having you on because as much as for you, you're like, yeah, I guess so. I love what you have to say. And I think it's, a, it's important and a good reflection for uh, people for people who are watching and listening. Mm-hmm. But I'd love to hear, when, when you think about your journey, because mm-hmm. it is a journey, mm-hmm. what are the things that for you help you become like Jesus? How do you stay, how do you fight mm-hmm. to be in that presence? I think lately it's been a lot of um, help prayers of like, help me to do this, help me to be obedient, help me to see, even in doing the podcast stuff, there's things I don't really want to be doing, like why am I being asked to do it and yeah. what opportunities should I be bringing to this conversation? Or you ask me for a reason, what is it that God is trying to speak through me and being open and obedient to that. So leaving myself out of it. But that also comes with like the willingness to sacrifice what I want and to just let go and see where God's taking me. So like easy example, I'm kind of a people pleaser. I'm always worried about what people think, what they're going to say, what I want them to like me. And so I 
try not to rock the boat in any sort of situation. Yeah. Um, but in it, something I'm trying to be better at is say I go into a store and instead of just focusing on my agenda and all the things I need to get done or, okay, I need to be out of here by 12 o'clock because then I have this, this, and this, of just going in and allowing my day to be interruptible. Mm. That's been hard for me and something I need to work on in creating that space to still be aware that Jesus is still present. Just I can have my quiet time in the morning and he's there too, but he never leaves me. Yeah. And so it's easy for me to compartmentalize like, no, that was my Jesus time. The yeah. rest of the day is about me and yeah. what I want to do. I wonder, well, it's, so that, it's interesting you say that because I think sometimes people, we associate our time as like tithing. Mm-hmm. 10% is God's time and the other 90% is mine. And yet God says, no, all the time is mine. Your money, 10%, I'm asking you to give financially. But, yeah. And the 90% you are steward with, where God never says, there's no such thing as tithing your time. Yep. Your time technically belongs to God. That's how we make, give glory to God and yep. all things, right? And sometimes even the quiet times are hard to get to. There are days that I'm like, yahoo, I'm learning things. This is great. And then there are days that's like, I'm tired. Yeah. It's been a long week. I don't have it in me. And I can find every excuse imaginable not to do it. But I also liked you said, you brought out the verse, don't remember where it's from, but the um, the temptation of God will give you a way out. When yeah, you are tempted, yeah. and it's so true, there is always another choice that we have to make. And so just being more aware of that and seeing the way out instead of the selfish way. Yeah. Well, and, and I, I, think it, I think it's 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians 6. I'm horrible at Bible addresses. Well, you know, I found a lot of freedom because it used to be like scripture memorization. Mm -hmm. I I'm, I have a really good memory of what scripture says, but if you ask me where, I'd be like, New Testament? Yeah. <laughs> Paul sounds kind like, of sounds Paul like say, yeah. right? And, and praise God, we have phones now that now yeah. I don't need to have my Bible all always up in my head. And there's tremendous freedom in being able to do that. But I think about that verse and I think part of what happens, particularly on the issue of becoming like Jesus, when our theology is bad around becoming like Jesus, for instance, God will never give you more than you can handle. Yep. Well, that's not what that verse actually says. Uh, the same thing is when people say God works all things together for good, but they forget that for those who are who love him and are called according to his mm -hmm. purposes. Um, the idea there is that if you've got a rich relationship with the Holy Spirit, and you are surrendering your life to Christ when that temptation comes, the way out is through the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. The way out is because you know God's word and, and you're not operating in your own strength. But unless you understand that, now all of a sudden is God will never give you more than you can handle. Mm -hmm. No, that's not the point is. The point is all of us are going to be forced and faced with, and there are two, there's forced temptation and there's faced temptation. Mm. Uh, so for instance, we, we ended, and, and I wish I had had more time to talk about this, but the importance of boundaries. And there's, there's uh, suffering and then there's abuse. But there are some people who are persecuted, who are being abused, but m being a martyr or being a persecuted Christian is different mm -hmm. than a suffering Christian. Mm -hmm. Though all persecuted Christians are suffering. Does that make sense? Yep. So you can be suffering and not persecuted, but all persecuted Christians are experiencing abuse that if they had their choice, they would not be in. Right. And God gives them the strength and the courage to be within that. And I think this is also why some Christians, and, and I've said this before, um, when, when Christians say things like, oh, I'm a persecuted Christian. No, you're just a jerk and nobody likes you. That's not the same as suffering. You're suffering because you're mean. 
you're not suffering for Jesus. You're suffering because you're kind of hard to be around. Not you personally. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the same is true. Like, okay, let's, let's take a dating relationship. Uh, if you're dating somebody, now I've been married for 22 years, coming up on 22 years this year. I had to think about that for a second. Um, but I remember dating, you are faced with temptation. You're not forced into temptation. Mm -hmm. And I think about how many people who are, who are dating who struggle physically mm -hmm. with purity or, and I don't even like that word purity because that, that's God. Honoring. Question. Yeah. Uh, honoring, uh, choosing Jesus. Right. Mm -hmm. But they'll act like, well, God didn't give me a way out. Well, yeah, because you weren't supposed to be in the position in the first place. Mm -hmm. It's like an alcoholic going into the bar and then upset with Jesus that they drank. Mm -hmm. Well, God said he'd never give me more than I can handle. Well, that's not what he said. And you had a way out and you chose not to take it because you weren't forced into the temptation. You were faced with the temptation. Yep. Um, when you think about your relationship with Jesus, and well, let's actually think about the Holy Spirit because we had this conversation, I think it was in Sermon Read Through a couple weeks ago, who do we pray to? Mm -hmm. And I've had a few people like, can I pray to the Holy Spirit? Is that like, I'm not okay because I'm supposed to pray to Jesus or do we pray to the Father? And I think part of what happens is we miss that the Holy Spirit is equally God. Mm -hmm. So you can pray to the Holy Spirit. Do you feel like, um, has the Holy Spirit always been a natural part? Understanding your relationship with the Holy Spirit been no. natural for you or has that been a new thing for you? Very new. I grew up at Zion, so... <laughs> 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 that's not a knock on Zion. No, it's not at all. Um, it's just new in the sense of using that language, I guess yeah. I would say. I mean, I've always grown up with the understanding of the Trinity yeah. and knowing that they're equal and of each have their important roles and that they are three beings in one. Like that concept to me is not easy to understand, but like I get it. Yeah. I've always grown up with that. You knew verbiage. the Holy Spirit was there. Never yeah, questioned. absolutely. Yeah. But did I pray specifically to the Holy Spirit? Did I sit down and say, Spirit, help me with this? Um, what, Whatever that prayer would be. Not very often. And I still struggle with that. It, yeah. I have to consciously think to do that, where most of my natural prayers, if I'm praying, it's God first or Jesus first. Or the Father. Actually, never the Father. Really? No. Mm -mm. See, so, uh, now for me, growing up without a dad, when mm -hmm. I became a Christian, God became my Father. And I actually just recently heard a pastor who said, you should never call God daddy. That's, not, that's inappropriate unless you're fatherless. Mm -hmm. And for me, there was great comfort in praying to God as dad. Mm -hmm. And I remember I had a pastor who went off on me on high school because he was saying how disrespectful I was. He is your heavenly father. He is a king, but he is not your dad. And I was like, but you have no idea how much it meant to me growing up without a father to call God dad. Sure. Like there was a healing, mm -hmm. a balm, a healing balm in that word and the Holy Spirit. And I think this might be part of the reason why it's so weird to pray to the Holy Spirit is I can picture a father, mm -hmm. I can picture a son, but I can't picture the Holy Spirit. Right. And for years, I thought the Holy Spirit was like the ghost from Scooby-Doo. Like, like a white wisp. Yeah, like a white wisp. <laughs> or like if you pulled off the, if you pulled off the mask, all of a sudden Jesus was in there. Yeah. We knew it all along. It was Jesus, right? And, and yet the Holy Spirit is a person described in scripture and worthy of our worship. Now, Jesus is the name who we glorify Jesus above all else. The, the Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus. And I know for me, of all places where I think I learned about the Holy Spirit, I was in the vineyard, which is a very charismatic church. That's actually not where I learned about the Holy Spirit. 
at a, at a charismatic church. It was at Zion. I'm just actually no, it's not too far <laughs> off. It was at Peace Reformed Church in Egan, Minnesota, where I was a youth director, and the pastor there, a guy named Steve Peterson, who I'm still grateful for. Again, I shared this on Sunday that letting the wave pass over and stop worrying about the trash, but worry about the wave. And it's not ignoring the trash. It's not just going, oh, it's just going to disappear. But instead of worrying about it, instead of trying to change my behavior, I had to change where I focused my attention. Yeah. Um, it's like the old analogy. Don't think of a banana. Don't think of a banana. Don't think of a banana. What are you thinking about? A banana. Oh, watermelon. Well, yeah. Well, <laughs> but if I say, don't think about sin, don't think about sin, don't think yeah. about sin, you've put all your attention on sin. Mm-hmm. And uh, Steve Peterson, Pastor Steve, helped me to understand what baptism of the Holy Spirit was. But I first had to learn that the Holy Spirit was a person that I could have a relationship with mm-hmm. and that I could pray to the Holy Spirit. And the Apostle Paul talks about praying, the Spirit interceding for us, and there's power in that. Um, That part of the Spirit, the relational part of the Spirit, I think is so difficult for people, especially not raised in charismatic circles. And I would even say within charismatic circles, I love my charismatic brothers and sisters. I'm charismatic with a seatbelt. I believe in all the gifts. I believe in prophetic words. I believe in healing and tongues. I believe in all of that. But I know so many people in, um, because I was one of them, who were chasing the experience, mm-hmm. not God. Mm-hmm. And I think for people that were not raised in that, that's what they're afraid of. Is you're, it's just emotionalism. You're not, you're no, you don't really have a relationship with God. You have a relation with the emotions of feelings about yep. things. But God gave us emotions, and so God can work through them. How have you developed that relationship with the Holy Spirit. And as you said, it's still ongoing because you've mm-hmm. had to, I don't want to say unlearn, but you've had to n- learn new things. About mm-hmm. God. How have you developed that? Um, quiet times really, but I, I've been trying to work on the like nudgings of the Holy Spirit and removing myself from it and knowing when it is just me and when it is God. Oh yeah. And um, I have no idea where I learned this, but basically backing up, testing the spirit and knowing if it's scriptural or based in scripture, it probably is from God. If it's not, it was probably just a fleeting thought. We're actually called to test the spirits. And so doing that regularly and not just relying on the first thing that pops into my head when I'm praying to be like, this must be from God. Because I'm I'm pretty gullible. I'm easily... I would hate to admit that I'm easily deceived, but I can be. I'd like to trust the best in people and see the best in people. And that's kind of just an ongoing thing in my life. And so I know that if I don't test the spirit, it is easy for me to think it was me. So I have, I don't have the gift of mercy, but I have mercy blinders. (laughs) And what I mean by that is just like you, I want to believe the best in people. I want to believe that when someone tells me who they are, because I, I say who I am. Like mm-hmm. when I say I am something, I'm, I'm being honest, and I assume most people are that way. Yep. And I call them mercy blinders because it's not a grace issue. It's that I want the same mercy in my life where I'm there's incongruity, so to speak, in my mm-hmm. personality or character. The uh, the quiet time one is interesting because I struggle with quiet times. Just to be honest, I'm, I'm uh, I can be quiet. Most of my quiet times are doing something so fishing Mm. or golfing or um yeah that's i I don't do well just sitting in silence though i love driving in silence sure and i would my quiet times aren't silent okay say more so they usually consist of me reading a book 
and like verbally processing out loud when no one else is around early in the mornings when my family is still sleeping Um, or or reading a Bible or processing verses or whatever it looks like. But I'm really bad also at just sitting in silence, but it's allowing it's reading a little bit. Okay, what does that mean? Or like look up a certain word or what does this mean in context or so maybe they're not so it's quiet times, quiet they're alone moments, times. Alone times or like yeah. read, okay, now be quiet and think. So I, and maybe that's part of our problem is, is that we think becoming like Jesus means quiet times when really I like the idea of alone times because mm-hmm. when it says Jesus didn't say Jesus withdrew to quiet places. Right. He withdrew to lonely places, to places where it was just him with the Father, yes. where there are not people around. Yeah. Because even in that, like if you're, a, some people are very naturally quiet. I think of your dad. Your dad is a guy who can sit in a combine for hours and not talk to anybody, right? Yep. Um, he's a farmer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but people who are not naturally quiet, they can often feel like they're failing if they can't have quiet times. Yes. And yet, scripture is meant to be read out loud. Mm-hmm. It's meant to be read in community. And even the alone times, like I've actually found most of my growth hasn't come in alone times. It's come in times like this, mm-hmm. where I'm having conversations with a brother or sister in Christ or in community, and not because one is better. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just different personalities and how people connect. Um, the thing that I was also thinking about on Sunday was the only way that you can grow in love is you have to be put in positions where you can choose to not be loving. Mm-hmm. And that's true of patience and grace and self-control and mercy. And, and those are just, that's not an exhaustive list, right? Um when you think about being placed in those situations, how do you, or do you find yourself in that moment? Do you ever take time and go Holy Spirit? Or is that something that you're learning to do? Do you do that naturally? Or do you find yourself struggling that I'll say I struggle with it. I struggle, but it's funny, like since having kids, it's just put a different perspective on a lot of those things because kids are so you can easily tell when they have lost all patience. Yeah. And, like, <laughs> and so like when you were talking about that in the sermon, my husband leans over and he's like, so he's saying there's a chance <laughs> because basically our daughter has been a little testy lately. And so, but it's easy to point out like, Oh, she needs, she's lacking some um, gentleness right now. Or she's like, it's so clear to see it in her. And so it's helped me reflect of like, maybe I'm not always very patient with her. Maybe she's not patient because I'm losing my patience. Oh, wow. Or like, yeah. So you saying that kind of sparked in like, it has helped having kids to kind of see those areas in my own life where before I was oblivious to, because why would I ever think about it? Um, But yeah, when you're forced into those situations, you're forced to think about it. Well, because your children are also a mirror of you. Yep. And so if you want an idea of what you look like, just take a look at your kids. Mm -hmm. Like that's, and that's scary because there are things that I see in my kids and I'm like, oh, that's totally me. (laughs) I'm "I'm not liking my attitude right now. (laughs) Oh, wait, where did that come from? That didn't just appear out of nowhere. And, And yet I think at the same point, like, that really is, God allows us to suffer so we can learn to be dependent upon him. Mm-hmm. And I, I even think about that from my kids' perspective. There is some suffering that I allow my kids to go through or even situations that I put my kids in because I want them to learn to be dependent. And, and that dependence is even, for instance, cleaning their room. I want them to learn to be dependent on me when I tell them to do something that I know what's best for them. It doesn't mean they need to be dependent on me to help them clean their room. It could be, oh wait, 
dad said I need to clean my room, I should probably clean my room. I need mm -hmm. to depend on his wisdom, not my own. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's another side of this whole conversation of obedience. Sometimes we think that depending on is that he's going to help us through it. When sometimes the dependence is that he's going to tell me what to do so I make the best decision. Yep. Um, last final thought. As you... Last, yeah, that's final thought. I don't final need to thought. say last final thought because that's a double on... That's a Final last. Yeah, lastly. Lastly. <laughs> <laughs> as you think about um, all of this becoming like Jesus, that process, have you found seasons in your life where you celebrate, where you're able to go, God, thank you for the work that you've done in my life. Like, can you point to growth in your life and then point back to how God has been faithful in you in that? And if not, it's okay. It's yeah, I just say it's always been very slow. Yeah. <laughs> like it's yeah. never an overnight thing or it's it was like years of an experience that now is like, oh, maybe that's why I went through that was to even, and sometimes it's so small of like, it's one thought. It's yeah. not even like a life-changing, profound moment, but it was like, oh, that's why I went through that season. Or um, without going through that season, I wouldn't have developed this sort of relationship. So I think back of when I was um, single, living by myself, it was very lonely. Yeah. And that like longing to be married or longing for friends, living in a community that I didn't know a lot of people, being introverted, so it was hard to meet people. And then, but yet like how much I grew spiritually in that time or just I don't know spiritually is the right word closer to god or that relationship yeah. grew stronger which has sustained me through life and looking back of like oh i needed that time actually god was working in me in those moments when i didn't see it then but like now i really see it and so there's a lot of those little moments it's being in process and yeah. i think i look back so uh mike bradley who was on last week with me and it was so great to be with him i love him he is such a dear man to me um, we, he and I were doing dinner the night before and he was sharing, he goes, you know, Jason, and he's known me for some time now. And he goes, it's neat to see that you're becoming what's called an individuated leader. And I'm like, well, what do you mean by that? And he goes, well, when you were younger, and I'm going to paraphrase your identity, your security was found in what other people thought of you. And he's like, and it's neat to see that you're becoming more individuated. You're finding your security, not in people's opinions. And, but rather who Jesus is. And I'm like, I, that's one area where I can say, I'm still growing in that, mm -hmm. but I'm so much further down I was than, than I was 10, 15 years ago, mm -hmm. even five years ago. And I'm still in process because like you, I'm a people pleaser and I tend to find my value in what people think of me. But it's impossible to become like Jesus if you're worried about what other people think about you instead of what Jesus is thinking about mm -hmm. you. And our, we're never supposed to, Jesus is supposed to be at the forefront of who we go, wait, is Jesus pleased with me? Not as Megan pleased with mm -hmm. me. Not as my wife pleased with me, but is Jesus pleased with me? And guess what? If Jesus is pleased with me, my wife's probably going to be pretty happy too. Mm -hmm. um, well, hey, thank you so much for being here today. I'm, I'm excited. We've got a couple more of these, so, so I might force Megan to be on one more. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think my hope in all of this, one, we want feedback. And so for those of you who are watching, we're going to be taking the summer to kind of reevaluate how we're doing this podcast video format and how uh, is this really reaching the audience that we want to. But I think there is, I think God is doing something. Even in this format and the way that things are happening, uh, I think it's an opportunity to give people those daily reminders of, hey, this is how we grow. And I, and to your point, Megan, when you said earlier, you know, what am I, why is God bringing me here? 
I think anytime people get to hear somebody else's journey, it's helpful. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what we forget is we're not, we're not so unique. Like your struggles are just like anybody else's. And it's so helpful yep. to hear how everybody kind of deals with, I wouldn't say the same thing, but rhyming things. They're yeah. close enough. Yeah. <laughs> I actually just told a friend that uh, it was probably a few weeks ago now, but the more we become like Jesus, the more likable we are yes. as a person. Like if we, if you want to be more liked in the world, well, modeled after Jesus and he'll get you a little farther. <laughs> and some people aren't going to like you and the people yep. who aren't going to like you are people who are not like worth. Jesus. Yep. But that's true. Like Jesus was loved by the right people, mm -hmm. by the people who wanted that. Yeah, that's such a good word. Well, hey, thank you so much. Thanks for watching. Hope you have an awesome week and uh, excited for what God has in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, me too.